Hello and welcome to East Meets West, the show where Rob and I discuss contemporary Canadiana from our adopted homes in Ottawa and Calgary. Hey, Rob. Hey, Nick. How's it going? So much better now that I can say East Meets West again. (laughs) It has been. I think I last time I looked, it was five or six weeks. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, kind of terrifying, but uh, but we're back. Yes. All this right with the world. Once in whenever time frame. Yeah. (laughs) Very rigid. What more could you want? Ah, a puppy. That's true. That'd be nice. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot to talk about today. It didn't seem like there was going to be, but I really think there is. I'm glad. What do you want to start with? I guess you Uh, probably want to start with the draft. I was going to say, how about we start with it? God-awful. Well, it's not god-awful. It's actually very pleasant weather Calgary is having. Oh, yeah? But daytime highs above 30 for like the past three or four days in a row. And this was one thing I liked about Calgary when I first came here, that it didn't do that. And now I'm all hot and sweaty. That sounds really terrible. It's It's been nice here, and I this is in, I guess, stark difference from last year where it was really hot. It's been mostly fairly mild here. Ah, yes. Well, but as a result, I'm not wearing pants. Nice. I thought about that, but then I was like, no, I have a little more self-respect than that. I'll wear shorts. (laughs) Well. But I I literally did put them on for this. Look at you, Rob, (laughs) wearing shorts. I'm elite now. Pretty much. (laughs) Anyway. So, yeah, top story today, the draft. Yeah. NHL 2015 draft. A couple interesting points uh, coming out, like, right before the draft happened, I think. Uh, Did you hear about Calgary's trade? I did not. Really? No, what happened? Dougie Hamilton of the Boston Bruins is now a Calgary Flame at the cost of one first round and two second round picks. Wow. I believe all this draft. I could be wrong. Okay. So we're taking this as good news for the Flames. Uh, I don't know. It really depends on what happens. Like Dougie Hamilton was the second first round pick of the Kessel trade. So it was pretty good because the Leafs were terrible. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um he's projecting to be a number one defenseman okay and i don't know it, it seemed to me like a very Berkey move because i recently read a two-part article on a site that i should be able to mention here but i can't remember it right now <laughs> it was about burke's tenure in toronto And I was a big defender of Burke and a big believer of his system. But after reading that article and looking over everything, I I am no longer a Burke supporter. That's a shame. And I suppose it's a little inaccurate, potentially. But looking at all the picks he traded away and what those picks became, and all the players he sent away, like Alex Steen, who is now captain and I believe number one center on the St. Louis Blues. Mm Mm-hmm. Or Anton Strahlman, who's a very good defenseman in Tampa's system now. 
And he traded them for bigger, tougher guys with appropriate levels of truculence, pugnacity, pugnacity, and testosterone. Did, oh, did you say truculence? Yes, that was that was Burke's like favorite word. Okay, truculence, pugnacity, and testosterone. <laughs> Does it mean what I think it means? What do you think it means? Like being a truck, basically. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. Although, in a somewhat ironic fashion, it's not far off. <laughs> it's like, you know, big, tough, that kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, traded them away for bigger players that never really went anywhere. And the only problem with that line of logic, like the one I'm just talking about, um. I mean, I'm looking at who the picks actually became, and I'm upset about it. Okay. But that being said, if you look at the Leafs' drafting prowess over that time, I'm not sure you can really be upset about it because they weren't very good at drafting. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Are you familiar with Frederick Gauthier? No, I'm not. Former Leafs uh, first-round pick. Not really projecting to be much of anything. They picked a giant uh, center. And he's currently... The projections when they got him was, you know, he's projected to be a third-line center. Okay. And it's like, maybe you could make a slightly riskier pick with your first-round pick overall. Because I guess the strategy they were employing was to pick a quote-unquote safe pick. Right. Like, yeah, he doesn't have huge upside, but he'll definitely be in the NHL. It's like, if you're picking that many people, like, you know, seven people a year, maybe gamble a little more. Yeah. Just just a little more. <sighs> I, uh, I have some real-time follow-up here. Ooh. I've looked up the word truculent. Because it's not quite like a truck, but it's similar. So easily annoyed or angered and likely to argue. Oh. Uh, Yeah, so harsh, deadly, destructive, feeling or displaying ferocity. You might not be using that correctly, but like exactly correctly. There might be a better word. I think I was not using that correctly. Well, it wasn't you you using it. It was was, uh, Brian Burke using it. Well, Which leads me to the next piece. I found an article in the Star where he's quoted as using all those words. Um, what was it pugnacious, truculent, and, yeah, yeah. So that might be the article you're referring to, or it might just be another thing that's quoting the same thing. I believe the uh, article might be quoting his first speech as GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. Okay. <sighs> but yeah, so I mean. One of the takeaways from that article, getting back onto the train of thought, yeah. was that Burke handled his second round picks like hot potatoes. And apparently Treleving or Treveling, Treleving, GM of the Calgary Flames. Okay. Apparently he actually made the move. So I guess it wasn't Burke, but it still seems like a Burkey move. Okay. And I mean it's impossible to say how that trade 
will play out, but a lot of people are saying that Calgary really fleeced Boston on that one. Okay. And there's now also speculation that uh, Toronto has won the Kessel trade because Boston has pissed away every player that they got out of the Kessel trade. Is that them winning or is that them losing and then... I have no idea how, like, the logic there works. (laughs) Because I've heard people say, you know, oh, well, let's look at what they got out of it. Yeah. And I mean, they got a year out of Se- or a year or two out of Sagan before they chased him out of town. They traded Jared Knight to Minnesota, which was actually a surprise to me because I thought he was still in their system as a prospect, but they got rid of him. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Now Dougley- Dougie Hamilton is gone. And he's going to be great for the Flames, I'm sure of it. It's just, this was a very deep draft, and I'm not sure, I'm, well, I'm not sure what, you know, they could have gotten. Right. But, I mean, Dougie's also only 22, so. Yeah. He's a very good prospect who's not even getting close to his prime yet. Makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, anyway. The Toronto Maple Leafs, because that's my team that I follow. Yeah. Uh, they had two picks in the first round. I have a right open right here, and I found it. I have something interesting that I wanted to point out, but what do you, what do you have to say? Um, more or less, I'll mention that we got Mitch Marner, which was interesting because he's a former London Knight, and Mark Hunter was the GM or something like that of the Knights before he came to Toronto. So work in our front office GME sort of role that he's got now. Okay. Because they're doing almost GM by committee at the moment. But they seem to have, like all their picks that I've seen so far, they have put an emphasis on skill and speed instead of size. And I'm, I'm so excited about that. It sounds like a good thing. Well... Uh, in a speech on the matter, Kyle Dubas, who's their young stud assistant GM, said that, you know, you always draft for skill and speed because if you need, like, a big guy that's just kind of a plug, like, you can just plug him in anywhere on the lineup, people will probably be willing to part with a piece like that in exchange for, you know, a more skilled player. So yeah, it's exciting. They're they're using a different approach, and I like that a lot because their former approach has not worked out very well. <laughs> the uh, the thing I noticed here, I I actually only see one Toronto draft pick in the first round. Well, that's the it, thing. Uh, just a second, sorry. That's okay. I was also going to say that like they got the number four pick. And they chose the smallest person that was chosen in the first round by 10 pounds. Yeah, but, I mean, (laughs) oh my gosh. I looked at some of his highlights. They are just disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Are you using that in the colloquial sense? Oh, he's just... (laughs) He's he's out there making everyone look silly, and it's beautiful. Like, I guess... I guess he plays in such a way that, you know, there. 
I guess in London, there aren't a whole lot of complaints about his size because he's just ridiculous. Right. Like he's just, it doesn't really, it's not really a factor because he's so fast and agile that people aren't really laying about a whole lot. Right. Kind of yeah. like, uh, what's his name? The Good old what's his Marty, name? Marty St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't have cable here. So I went downstairs or I went to the bar downstairs to watch, uh, to watch the first round. Okay. And so, you know, I had a beer and that got me to about the fourth round, the fourth overall pick. And I was like, Oh, the 24th, you know, I'll have a couple more and see how that goes. And getting closer to the 24th overall pick, I was going, Whoa, this, this needs to happen soon. Cause it's a lot of beer and I didn't really have a formal dinner. <laughs> and so I got to like 21 and I decided, okay, I'll just have one more beer. Yep. And that will almost certainly get me to the 24th overall pick. And you know what? <laughs> it did get me to the 24th overall pick. But that 24th overall pick did not belong to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because they traded it for the 29th overall pick and another second round pick. Right. And so I went, okay, I just, <laughs> it's gotten close here. Like, I can watch the 29th overall pick. But they then took the 29th overall pick, traded it for the 34th, and another second round pick. <laughs> or, uh, sorry, they took the 24th overall pick and turned it into... I think the 34th, the 61st, and the 65th. So, oh, okay. sorry, one second and two thirds. Okay. At which point I went, I need to go have dinner. <laughs> and in that, uh, you know, haze, we also agreed to record this episode. We did, yeah. And so I'm so glad. Something very good came out of that 24th overall pick, I suppose. <laughs> that was the trade that you made. <laughs> That is the trade that I made. Exactly. So how does the process of watching a draft go? I, I've never done it. And you're, it makes it, you make it sound like there's a lot of time between these picks. Well, I mean, officially it's three minutes. The team has three minutes to make their pick. Okay. But I'm pretty sure that timer's not running while the other team's up and announcing their pick. Right. And then, you know, that player is all like, yay, hooray, and like walks around. And I'm pretty sure the timer's not going at that point. Oh, okay. So they but formally, I mean, if, yeah. All right. Yeah. If you're actually, I mean, they're being paid millions of dollars to sit there. Yeah. So I assume if you're making that kind of money, you have a list prepared, at which point you cross a person off your list and go, okay, I know who we're picking next now. Yeah. Although there, I'm Although, sure there's a lot of strategy that goes into it, but yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess trades happen. Cause like I thought I'd missed the 24th overall pick because all of a sudden someone else was picking, I think it was Philly. Yeah. And I went, wait, what, what's happening? What's going on here? And then I saw that they traded it and right. it made a whole lot more sense. I, it, so it reminds me, this is kind of like the, the, the game timer. They have three minutes, but it's like a CFL game clock of three minutes where they get, in the CFL, you get 20 seconds to do uh, a down, but the time starts when they place when the refs place the ball on the on this line of scrimmage, and not immediately after the last play ends. There's some time to reset, and then they give you three minutes. From yeah, there. yeah, yeah. That's about how it goes. 
Okay. But so, uh, it could be an ordeal. Yeah. It was it was interesting though. It was good to watch. I think the Leafs are doing good things. That's good. And yeah, fingers crossed. This year, this is the year. The year <laughs> that they start getting better. I hope so. The year that they win the cup. No. No. That is not <laughs> happening this year. Okay. Well, that's a shame. It's a shame that you know that already. Uh, uh, if you ask someone if it is the Leafs year this year and they tell you yes, either they know of something spectacular that is going to happen or they're idiots. Okay. That's fair. Equally likely. All right. Yeah. <laughs> You're hoping for that thing, but you don't know, you don't have any idea what it could even be. No. Well, and I mean, what they're trying to do. And it makes sense why they spun the 24th pick into three other picks. What they're hoping to do is, I think, I don't know if they have already, but they would like to treat the Orlando Solar Bears as their kind of triple A sort of thing. Okay. So you would ideally have the fully stocked Maple Leafs. And this isn't going to happen overnight, obviously, but you'll have the fully stocked Maple Leafs, which are your best players your minor league Toronto Marlies who are, you know, basically waiting in the wings for you to need a player at the Leafs. And then the Orlando Solar Bears as another team, which is, you know, developing your youngest of players. Okay. Makes sense. And ideally you, you know, have almost identical coaching systems across the entire system or the entire three teams. So whenever you need a player at higher levels, they already know the systems. They can just jump in and start uh, start contributing. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So they're they've signed a lot of just you know off the wall people too. Right. Good times. Good times. Did you pay any attention whatsoever to the draft? Do you have a horse in this race anymore? I, I honestly did not know that it was last night until you said you were watching it. And then I promptly forgot about it until this morning. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Nick said he was watching the draft. And then I looked it up and saw that the, I guess the order of the first three, which was all I really had heard about before. Um, yes. When Strom was number three. Yeah. That's the way they were expecting, right? Uh, I mean, here or there. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, I mean, number one was obviously Connor McDavid. Number two was obviously Jack Eichel. And the next three were a little more, it was much less definitive. You'd think Strom would go next because he's a big center and that's what everyone wants. Right. And then there was also Marner and Hannafin. You know, apparently in the three to five, number three to number five picks, you were assured of getting a really good blue chip prospect. Cool. Yeah. That's fair. So we have yet to see how that plays out, but I'm I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy with how this has gone. Good. I wouldn't want you to be disappointed. Having wasted an evening drinking beer and watching young people get picked. It, it sounds so terrible. If you if you just described how the draft goes, other than the fact that they they get paid, 
like they sign contracts and all that it sounds terrible it's like all right i choose you the next three years of your life are gonna be spent working for me <laughs> make it sound like a pokemon kind of thing yeah jack eichel i choose you <laughs> he comes out he can only say his name yeah <laughs> makes for makes for a terrible post-game interview yeah like jack eichel can you comment on uh, how the game's going so far eichel jack <laughs> jack eichel <laughs> yeah uh, that does give like some hockey players do give me that impression that that was the kind of depth of conversation they could have but there are definitely also some smart hockey players so yeah Actually, for a while, the uh, the Leafs had some good college signings, and they gave great post game interviews, or you know, even mid game interviews, because they were actually doing things like going to Harvard and whatnot. So they were quite eloquent and articulate when they talked to people. Right. But it was great. Uh, Clark MacArthur, even I don't think he, I don't think he was signed out of college. We got him from someone, but uh, he also gave just. A stellar interview. Like, it's, you know, the normal one is just, you know, we got to just work hard and shorten up our passes and give it 110% every shift and, uh, you know, be shooting and checking and coming up big. Yeah. But, you know, it's like with MacArthur, it was like, Clark, can you comment on, uh, you know, why the game hasn't gone so well for you thus far? And he's like, well, we keep giving the puck away in the neutral zone. Maybe if we stopped giving the puck away in the neutral zone, we might have some success tonight. <laughs> and it was like, huh. Good call. Yeah, but that's not that's not unobvious. Like any player could say that, but it's good that he Yeah, is. but how many do? It's good that he's commenting mid-game about actual strategy and not just saying, "Oh, you know, we need to play harder, we need to get uh, get the pucks on the net and uh <laughs> And put some in. That's, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so Anything? yeah, that was super exciting. Anything else on the draft? Oh, it's all Leafs picks as far as I'm concerned, but uh, they've had one or two now that were just like, they picked them at 60 something. Okay. And I forget who it is now. I think it might be the Latvian guy because they signed a Latvian. One guy had a, or one group had him ranked 94th. One group had him ranked 195th. And NHL Central Scouting just did not have him ranked. But apparently he just did gangbusters in the World Under 18 tournament. Okay. And he's a common theme among their draft picks this year, unlike in previous years where the common theme was, oh, they're very big. And that was about it. But the theme among their descriptions this year was he, were to the effect of, oh, yeah, he has great hockey intelligence, very fast, very good passes, plays a good possession game. Right. And so it'll be interesting to see if we just found a hidden gem or just, you know, the scouting staff goofed or something. Right. I know you'll be paying very close attention. Absolutely. <laughs> Anything else you wanted to say on the NHL draft or the NHL in general next year? God, I hope it gets better. 
<laughs> I mean, for the Leafs specifically. Yeah, yeah, of course. If you're a fan of Chicago, like, this is the best it's ever been. But. Right. Uh, well, in that case, maybe let's back up a bit and talk a bit about uh, follow from our last episode, which was the Alberta election episode. Ah, yes. Hashtag AB, AB Poly. Yeah. So uh, what what have you seen out west since then? Um, well, there have been, I mean, NDP is kind of surging in the polls in many places. The federal polling averages are a three-way race. And are you familiar with 308.com? Yeah, we talked about it quite a bit in that episode, the last episode right. of this show. Yeah. Um, I really like it, you know, good poll, poll aggregator and just, it's been really accurate lately, but, um, Eric Grenier has actually been on hiatus since the 12th and he's coming back the 29th, you know, cause we're really going to start seeing some more activity soon. Yeah. But the last poll had the polling averages as 30% for the Conservatives, 29% for the NDP, and 28% for the Liberals. And my God, but that is an exciting three-way race. Which is kind of terrible if you think about it in terms of where they lean politically, but <laughs> in terms of making a three-way, three-way race, yes, it is very exciting. Well, yeah, because the seat projections are like... Uh, the Tories are looking at 130 seats. Uh, the NDP is like 100, 110. And the Liberals are around 90 to 100. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's definitely minority parliament territory. Yeah. If nothing else. And it's going to be a very strong minority. Or very strong opposition. Yeah, yeah. Which... Which would lean me towards thinking that if they if it's a minority that the Liberals and NDP would just join up and basically almost double the not almost double but m- much more have much more power than the Conservatives would. Now, are you suggesting that they would merge parties or form a coalition government? I would like them. I would think it would be better politically to form a combined party, but I feel like a coalition is more likely. Well, that is a consequence of first past the post, sir. Yes. If we if we recall CGD Gray <laughs> and forcing a two party system with first exactly. past the post. I, yeah, I don't um, I don't want a two party system, but I also don't want. I feel like a majority is is useful to have if you have a couple parties that are fairly similar politically, if not identical. Just well, because one of them, the NDP, is newer newer but i feel they like they have the word new in their name that is less important to me as the, <laughs> the actual age you're smiling the and laughing but you're like no no yeah um i don't know i would frankly rather see a coalition um but coalition is basically a dirty word now yeah for some reason man Stéphane Dion and who was Leighton, I think, threatened a coalition or something like that. Yeah. 
I think that was right before the 2008 election where they were saying, listen, you can either pass a stimulus bill or we'll do it for you. Yeah. And it was somewhere around there anyway. But, uh, yeah, like people just flipped. Like they did not care for the idea of a coalition government. It's like, my party got the most seats in the House of Commons. That's how we win elections. We won the election. What are you doing? That's that's just an undemocratic parliamentary trick. (laughs) Well, it's a logical consequence of a parliamentary democracy. And like all the other global parliaments often have coalition parties, as far as I know, or coalition rule. But, uh, uh. That being said, just silly. I think compromising is good in general in politics. People should compromise. They shouldn't. It, there's no reason for it to be a dirty word. There's no reason for it to be a dirty concept. It's just people need yeah. to actually understand what it means. Yeah. And I mean, I think we talked on the show before about. What? Nope. Train of thought's gone. Sorry. <laughs> We've talked plenty about politics. The other thing that I pointed out here, the numbers that you have, I don't, I'm not, are they from 308.com, the polling numbers? Yeah, that's polling aggregation. Right. I have electionalmanac.com. Oh. Well, let me take a look at that. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a link in the notes and I'll put it in the, the show notes as well. But it has slightly different. It actually has NDP with a seat lead now. As of June 19th. Actually? Ooh. Yeah. And as an aside, you have a question in the notes. Has the NDP victory in Alberta had an effect on the federal polling averages? Yeah. Man, if you look at it, it's almost to the date of the Alberta election where NDP uh, support just surges. That makes sense. And I think that might also have something to do with support of C-51, but I can't remember how the dates actually worked out on that. Right. Yeah, have we... So let me... Sorry, I'm looking at the thing here. Have we seen any impacts of C-51 yet? Uh, in what sense? Like, the, it's passed now, right? I think it passed the Senate, yeah. They did that, uh, they instituted that thing, but I, that might be a different bill. I, I find it hard to keep track of, of political things, but they just passed the bill that... That's, that's um, okay, Rob. That's why you have me. That citizenship bill that allows anybody who is either eligible oh, for another passport or their God. parents are eligible for a, a different citizenship, their citizenship can be revoked by the government? Yeah, something like... That's a new one, and I haven't yeah. looked up that one very much, but that is the stupidest. Like, all citizens are equal, but some citizens are more equal than others, Yeah, is the takeaway from that bill. Which is crazy. I don't even understand. Yeah. It's like, well, and the other thing is, how do you know that people who are granted citizenship by birthright are any more reliable than, you know new canadians yeah i mean they're not it makes no sense new canadians which for the record chose to become canadians yeah they're canadians by choice 
I'm Canadian just because I started here and I like it now. Right. But yeah, like, oh, I I hate this. I do not like it one bit. I feel yeah. like the thing they they were adding that I I'm not like I haven't again I haven't looked at the actual specifics of it in enough detail to really make a final judgment. But they were also saying that even if you have Canadian citizenship, you have birthright, but your your sort of ancestry, your parents would allow you to gain citizenship to another country, your citizenship can still be revoked. So like, for instance, my parents, um, I believe, I'm not actually sure about this, but I believe like if I could get British citizenship because of my dad, then I could just, they could just take away my passport and be like, oh, well, go, go to this place where you could get citizenship if you kept going. Like you, you could basically be, become a person with no country if they, if they want. Yeah, like my dad, I think, is eligible for British citizenship because his grandmother was a British national. Yeah. And so if he got it, then I could get it. And then, so what? Like, I just, they could strip me of my citizenship? That's just ridiculous. Ugh. Yeah, it it basically, and it downgrades everyone who's gotten everyone who's ever gotten gotten citizenship it downgrades their level of citizenship to something that can be revoked yeah oh they have just had the goofiest policy towards new citizens lately because wasn't it uh, i might be getting this confused but i believe there was that whole big kerfuffle about the one woman who wanted to wear a niqab when she took her citizenship oath. Yeah. And I can't remember, but I feel like they wanted to pass a law that said you couldn't do that anymore. Or they tried to stop it. Right. And they were like, yeah, well, you should be proud when you're becoming a Canadian citizen and you should show your face when you're becoming a citizen. And it's like, so we have this thing. It's called the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Yeah. It gives you the right, like the the right to not be discriminated discriminated against based on your religion. And unless there is a bona fide requirement for seeing the face of the person, you cannot force them to remove religious dress. Right. So like for airline security, I guess you can request a female staff member or something like that to come and look at your face. Right. If you're a female and you don't want to be showing your face to men. Right. Because I think that's how that works. Anyway. But like, and that's one of those things, like it just seems lately, it seems like the Tories are trying to get their, uh, their laws thrown out on a Supreme court ruling because they've had like two or three in the last few months that have gotten turfed based on Supreme court rulings. Right. I'm almost okay. I'm going into baseless, you know, <laughs> my favorite hypothesizing here. Yeah. But either it seems like either they 
are ignorant of what the actual requirements for laws are in that, you know, they have to comply with the constitution because that's what the constitution is. That's how that works. Yeah. Or maybe they just, maybe they just hoped that it would work and like the Supreme court justices wouldn't notice. Or the other thing, because I saw Harper lamenting on, you know, in public about, oh, well, you know, we got this, got this activist court of ours, throwing out all our laws, kind of sucks, but I can't do anything about it. I wonder if he's just trying to placate his base with that. It's definitely because possible. Because that would be, that would be great strategy to just say, <laughs> okay, we're going to pass this thing, which can in no way survive a Supreme Court challenge. Yeah. But then you can go back to your base and say, hey, you know, we tried. Hmm. Or it was, I think it was a Supreme Court appointment that got turfed. Yeah. Because there was something that, like that. There was someone that was super deserving of it, according to like everyone. And then they just appointed someone else. And the courts came back to him and said, yeah, you can't do that. that yeah. That's not how that works. He's like, but I want to appoint that person. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, Stevie, we got rules. And he was like, man, why can't I get a majority in the Supreme Court? (laughs) It reminds me of the, we talked about this in a past episode, but it reminds me of uh, how Barack Obama, when he got into office, he was quoted as saying, you know, traditional family is important. Uh, And he formally, his platform opposed gay marriage. And then over the course of the last eight years, He's basically like flipped a switch and is now completely for it to the point that we now like in the yesterday in the the Supreme Court ruled uh, gay marriage equal to just marriage in the entire U.S. Like that. It's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, to get voters on board with your policies, you have to say one thing, but then immediately or like behind the scenes, something completely different is going on. And that's just a kind of a part of politics. Mm. A terrible, terrible um, part of politics, I should mention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, on that note, uh, did you want to talk about the gay marriage ruling at all? I, yeah, sure. Because, like, my gut reaction was more along the lines of, thank God, finally. Yeah. Like, what silliness. And so, that's basically been my reaction. Also, you know, there's the usual flurry of tweets from people going man i can't believe the u.s supreme court they're just ridiculous you know what guys i'm giving up i'm moving to canada yeah (laughs) and it's like so there was this thing that happened in 2005 you're not gonna like it (laughs) yeah i i heard people specifically referencing both that both that ruling and the the what was it um the supreme court also struck down the the Obamacare subsidies not working if you if you bought through provincial exchange or not provincial state exchanges or something like that so like a major piece of Obamacare that they were trying to like basically reverse it and Republicans were trying to reverse it and the Supreme Court went no these are valid they're constitutional all of that and so I also saw people were like well now we have socialized medicine and gay marriage is legal so I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> do they know what happens in canada i don't think like, do so they just, what do they think it is it's just like 
they just project upon us that we are the kind of United States that they want to live in. Yeah. But not. It's wild tundra and poutine. <laughs> By the way, yeah. poutine flavored chips from Ruffles. Not quite sure how I feel about them, but definitely give them a try. They're interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'll give them a try. Please it do. It sounds good. Let me know what you think. Last week I was at St. Albert uh, Cheese Factory, the new one. Oh, you told or you mentioned that somewhere on social media. Yeah, everywhere on social media. How was media. it? The pictures were everywhere. Oh, but it was—it's a state-of-the-art facility. I don't know if you heard um, about the, the old one. I'm sure you did hear about the old one burning down. Oh no, I didn't. Uh, it was a few years ago, and they just recently—it's been open for about a year. Well, that one. was before the Ottawa podcast, so yes, exactly. I, so <laughs> I wouldn't have heard about it. How would you hear anything? Yeah, I mean. If one of the, you know, five cheese factories within driving distance of Belleville, my hometown, had burned down, I'm sure my parents would have told me about it because it's true. That is, I don't know, it's odd, but it's like a thing that you do if you're going somewhere and a cheese factory is kind of, sort of on your way. <laughs> you'll absolutely, like, you know, go, oh, can we take like a 10 minute detour and get a bag of cheese curds? Yeah. It's like a thing that you do in that region. A lot Absolutely. of dairies. Yeah. The farming is not so great in some of the areas, but cows <laughs> eat fine. So, yeah. Yep. It was delicious and it was fun. Got to see this brand new state of the art facility that really, the way they were talking about the, the old factory burning down and the fact that they got, it could, this one cost like 50, 35 or 50 million dollars like a lot of money went into this new factory that's a lot of poutine yeah and they were talking about it gleefully it really made it sound (laughs) like it was an insurance fraud thing that the old one burned down (laughs) we got all this money it's amazing (laughs) we're so sad about the old factory but this one is great (laughs) right oh yeah so how did we get here? Uh, we were talking about gay marriage, and we got to cheese somehow. Yeah. I don't really remember. Oh, and uh, just on the note of uniting the opposition parties right now. <laughs> okay. Um, I remember them asking Mulcair if he would join with the liberals at one point, because they could have taken control of the parliament. And they were saying, you know... You're splitting the left, like, this is a problem. And Mulcair went, well, I don't really buy that argument because you're always voting for a party. You're never voting against a party. You're voting for an individual party. And we are very different from all the other parties. And that is how we are going to carry forward. It's Hmm. like, it's interesting. That's strange. Well... Yeah, it is. It is and it isn't. But, like, I really don't think he wants to merge the parties. No. And as an interesting note, because I just looked this up recently, it's funny because the new Democratic Party is older than the Conservative Party. Right. I actually looked into this, and the Liberal Party is the oldest political party in Canada because it was founded in... 1867. Okay. 
like they don't count the conservative party as going back as far as that sort of tradition does because before the conservatives it was the progressive conservatives and the canadian alliance nay reform and like they changed brands like several times but each time they made a brand new party right brand new interesting yeah because the canadian commonwealth federation which i think begat the ndp Mm -hmm. although it would be a separate party started in like the 30s they're all really old yeah it's just odd Hmm. yeah political history is weird people always talk about when they're talking about the american system saying that today's democratic party would be unrecognizable today's republican party would be unrecognizable but we still call them the same thing i can't tell which is better like they have the two-party system with independence and well they used to have more parties i think yeah but they weren't well represented at all well they eventually fell out of favor yeah and we have all these parties and they change names and they merge and they unmerge and I I can't tell which is better. I don't, I think they're just both worse. I don't think there is a good way to have a political system. Well, I don't know. It's interesting. Fun fact: the first prime minister of Canada was uh, Sir John A. Macdonald. Yeah. Of the Liberal hyphen Conservative Party. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, no, and honestly, it, what does that mean? <laughs> they What it seems happened was they dropped the liberal part of their name and the Liberal Party of Canada was founded on July 1st, 1867. Okay. Which is just crazy. Yeah. I mean, everyone worked together to make the country and then they're like, okay, now we can get down to the important business of arguing. yeah yeah that's very strange i I had not heard that yeah no it's funny although now i'm looking at the now the page for the liberal conservative party it is the conservative party well i mean if you track the majority of people that migrated from party to party yes yeah yeah older incarnation of the conservative party yeah which is that's weird yeah i wholeheartedly agree (laughs) and like don't like apparently the old liberal party was actually like big l liberal like who championed things like the secret ballot and individual freedoms which is very much, you know, what uh, what conservative parties champion now. Right. But I guess the Liberal Party got into what's called social liberalism. And, you know, oh, what is it? It's like, there's a difference between, like, equality of opportunity and equality of result. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how it's formally recognized, but... That's a whole nother matter. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So three-way political race currently ish, sort of, kind of. Yeah. Um, 
I'm really... I'm surprised at how much support the Conservatives have at the moment. Why is that? Just given, given the complete NDP surge. Oh, and another complicating factor. Do you know who Gilles Duceppe is? Yes. Yeah. Gilles Duceppe is back in the mix in Quebec. He is leading the bloc. Yeah, which is why they've also surged in the polls. Yeah. But the NDP have, like, in their seat projections anyway, I think it's like 50 of them are from Quebec. Yeah. And just... What are they going to do? Like, what's going to happen? This is a thrilling election to be going into. Yeah. I'm going to do all the reading. Yeah, uh, what I see here on the on Election Almanac, they have sort of a, the seat projections over time. And between two weeks ago and last week... The, I need to learn how to use this, by the way, because I cannot figure it out at the moment. Figure out which? How this works. Which? Election Almanac. Oh, well, I just see it right at the top. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I widened the page. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be confusing. Um, One of us is a goof. It's the, me. <laughs> the block gained 17 seats. The conservatives lost about 20 seats. The uh, liberals lost 10 seats and the NDP gained 12 seats. So it seems like the, uh, it's, and it's hard to say exactly. I don't, I don't have the num- details of exactly which seats were lost. And which, like, which seats were lost, and then which went to which party? But uh, it'd be very interesting if, like, I want to know where the bloc got their seats from, and where the where the NDP got their seats from. Whether it was conservatives going bloc or conservatives going NDP. But it's interesting uh, nonetheless. I think it'll be. Uh, I mean, looking at projections, the conservatives did not do well in. The, the province of Quebec right. in the last election. So I would assume like the, that was part of the orange crush. Yeah. Was yeah. It was Quebec. Quebec. So I assume most of those are coming at the expense of the NDP. Okay. But so, yeah. But so then they gained a, bun- a bunch of liberal ones. Oh yeah. And that's almost certainly due to C51. Yeah. Interesting. Which, yeah. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Anything else you want to say on the election stuff? Oh, it's going to be so exciting. It, it's going to be kind of exciting. I, I saw a headline a while back that said the election had been called. I believe it was is October nineteenth is the date. It has not yeah. been called. I thought they said it had been called. No. I I read that it had been called. Why does this the, why does this website say October 19th then? Because that is the fixed election date. That is 5 years from the last one. Oh. Uh, okay. 4 years. Yeah, four I think or five. it's 4 years. I think it's 4. Yeah, yeah, it's 4. Okay. Ontario used to be every 5 years and then they moved to 4 year fixed election dates. Right. So it's much to my chagrin. Yes. Okay. Yes, because you only formally schedule the federal election when you drop, or it's called dropping the writ. And I looked this up because, you know, well, I'll jump into this now. 
I'm currently volunteering for Kent Hare in Calgary Center, who is the liberal candidate. Mm -hmm. But frankly, it's more because of Kent than because of liberals. Like I could see my vote going either liberal or NDP this at this point, just because. Right. Well, my feelings on the current conservative government are well documented in my blog mm-hmm. and on Future Chat and on here. Yes, but yeah, no, he's he's a good guy, and he has all the time in the world for people, which is another good thing. He's also been known to vote against his own party if he disagrees with the way his party is voting on something, which is something else I really like. Yeah. And, and, um, I asked if I would be able to talk to Kent about, uh, federal funding of science at, you know, the federal level. And he agreed to meet with me. And we can talk about that on future chat. We will. And in uh, which, in which federal funding of science is a, uh, a very we, common theme. Yeah. Did, did this already happen or is this happening? It happened on Friday. And you, he didn't agree to meet with you on the condition that you get a haircut, which is all the more impressive. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you, you, I mean, I'm sure you clean up, but your hair, you have so much hair. <laughs> so much <laughs> I don't know if you know this but I've been volunteering in the office and essentially functioning as one of the faces of the organization <laughs> because for a while there there were only two people in the office at any given time and that was frequently me and another guy that they've actually hired named Derek okay Derek's clean cut but right you know Whenever Derek was busy, I was the face of the organization. I even opened and closed the office office a few times. So <laughs> I was the face of the campaign office with this so much hair. They're trying to say, hey, look, uh, they're trying to have people I'd rather come to the office and say, oh, is that Justin Trudeau? Oh, no, that's just, that's just our guy, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're aware of the stereotype, but there is the stereotype of the long-haired intellectual there is, yeah. Yeah. I, th- my favorite reading of the stereotype is in my book on uh, MI5. And one of the presidents or whatever of the organization came in and he said he was very distrust- distrust- distrustful of those, quote, long-haired Oxbridge types. <laughs> Oxbridge being a portmanteau of Oxford and Cambridge. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe that's like a conscious decision. They saw me and they were like, my God, look at his long curly hair. And he talks about science. We got to get him. (laughs) We got to get him on board. (laughs) Little did they know how easy it would be. Hey, I was actually recruited. Yeah. Talk to people in a bar. Yeah. And then at a coffee shop. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) It's funny how that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what prompted me to talk about that. It doesn't even really matter, but I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Talk, talk to Ken about science. It's good stuff. Good times. 
and according to 308.com, he fluctuates between 70 and 80% likely to take the riding of Calgary Center. Wow. Our opponent is the Honorable Joan Crockett. Okay. Who I believe is a self-proclaimed backbencher. Like okay. she prides herself on voting with the party. Right. And many people will find that an admirable uh, quality. Yeah, they do. And I don't really know why. Well, nor do I. And that's why I'm not volunteering for Joan. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. For what it, And for the record, the NDP have not formally declared a candidate for Calgary Center. Okay. So we'll see how that goes. But I imagine they will. It's my assumption they will. I mean, they always run a full slate, even right, if, yeah. it, if it's a paper candidate and they don't <laughs> actually... Have you heard about that? No, Nick. Nobody who is a paper candidate who doesn't even campaign could ever win. How would that happen? <laughs> that would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy. Are you making the joke I think you're yeah, making? I, I'm trying for, to. For the sake of clarity? Okay, like someone yeah. maybe just, like, what, you think they're just going to say they're going to run and then just go on vacation? Who yeah, would do that? Like, they would probably go on vacation in, like, the Caribbean. Yeah, that's pretty good. And not even speak French if they were running in <laughs> Quebec. <laughs> ah, those NDP. They did well. I actually know a guy who was apparently offered a paper candidacy for the NDP. You could just run as a paper candidate for the NDP. Well, apparently I can't because I don't know the right people. (laughs) No, I mean, just like write your name down on a piece of paper and submit it. Oh, no, like they're a formal nominee. Yeah, no, I I, I know. You'd have to talk to someone. But uh, And who likes talking to people, honestly? Well, apparently you do. At least in this case. I do like talking to people. (laughs) About about science. (laughs) Oh, very much so. Yeah. So you have a couple of stories here. Do you want to talk about those or do you want to talk about uh, the, my, my sort of insider tech um, That's tough. Okay, government let me knock tech out, overlap story? Let me knock out a really fast one. Okay. Uh, so you're aware of the language police in Quebec. Uh, not formal language police, but yes, I think I know what you're talking about. There are actual language police. The ones that are enforcing signage in both languages? Um, well, there's like important stuff where like if you're writing in English, it can't, the lettering can't be more than a certain percentage of the French lettering or something like that. Okay. And they also had some recent kind of hilarious run-ins in which they crack down on the na- on the word pasta because it wasn't French. <laughs> and they were like, it's not French, but it's not English either. It's Italian. Yeah. Like that is the name for the thing I'm preparing. Right. There is no word in French for it because everyone calls it the Italian thing. Yeah. Even English people. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's called pasta. That's what it's called. But by God, it's not formally French, so you got to call it like the French word for noodle, I guess. I don't even yeah. know. But uh, so, are you familiar with the term foodie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who very much likes food. 
I think. To a fault, I think, is is part of the definition. I would say a lot of it comes down to people who like food and become pretentious about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good word. Pretentious really, comes to mind. <laughs> really want a fun label for themselves. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I love food, but I'm not about to call myself a foodie. <laughs> because no. contrarianism, right? Exactly. But uh, the word foodie will not fly in French because food is an English word. It's, yeah, all right. So, uh, and the funny thing is, there is a word in French that could be used. And that's like gastronome. We would say gastronome, but it would be like gastronome. Yeah. Or whatever. But that wasn't good enough because I guess there's a certain connotation to it where it doesn't quite fit the need of foodie. Like it's a larger person, I would assume. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that was the co- the connotation they were referring to. Okay. So they have gone with cuisine man. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> that word's not, nobody's going to use that. <laughs> oh, they will. Oh, there are man. language police who will enforce the usage of cuisine man. <laughs> it's not even good. <laughs> I know, right? Like, what did they do? Uh, wait, they have... Okay, I see gourmand. Oh, gourmand might be it. Because gastro is a word, oh, but like... okay. I am thinking of... Sorry, I mixed that one up because I haven't actually looked in this, looked at this in like a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, the word gourmand seems perfect here. It seems like right? that should be the word that the English people use. Exactly. I'm a gourmand. That's what you say when you're like a fancy eater until the word foodie came around. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, d- I don't like cuisine oman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. There's a quote at the end of this. Gourmand is more like a glutton, somebody that loves food, as opposed, as opposed to a foodie, someone that has an extreme interest in food. Right. I think gourmand in English... <laughs> In English has a better has a much closer link to foodie, but in French it's probably a little different. Damn hipsters! Like, <laughs> the gastro pubs are a thing that have recently sort of come into favor, where you get which that. Uh, I I would like to just go on the record as saying I I absolutely adore gastro pubs and yeah. brew pubs and oh my god they're like my favorite thing. Yeah. The, have um, you have you been to a pub where they formally recommend beer pairings? Yes. Because that's always wonderful. Well, the like, best one is when they recommend brew pair, beer pairings that they are the beers the brew they, they brew themselves in the restaurant. I know. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I've I never followed them. Revolu- I think Beer Revolution does that here. Yeah. And that is just fantastic. Like, I, I wasn't even aware that like beer pairing was a thing for the longest time. And then I started hearing about it and actually trying it, and it it's amazing. It's like wine pairings with food, except I'm not really as big a fan of wine. Right. It's perfect. Otherwise. Yeah, like, I think words. I had fish and chips and, like, a brown ale or something like that, and it just, everything complemented each other. It was so nice. Yeah. And I feel I like this it. is the kind of thing a foodie would say... But I still don't want to call myself a no. foodie. No, 
I, I'm, I know I'm not a foodie because I look at like a, the fancy dishes that are really well plated and put together and takes 10 minutes to get the sauce drizzled just right. And I'm like, I could have been done eating that by now. Just give it to me. Why are you doing this? Also, you know, the whole Soylent thing. Soylent's delicious. Do foodies like morning. Soylent? No. Is that a thing? They would hate it. Would they? Yeah. I've, I've actually been watching your experiment with interest. And we'll talk about this on future chat, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But I've been watching your experiment with interest because, as you know, I am now a bike camp instructor again. Yeah. And as soon as I get my bike back from the mechanic, because I changed tires and broke something, because um, <laughs> that's such a Nick thing to do with yeah, a bike. Yeah, yeah. Um, once that happens, like when you're burning over 3,000 calories a day, food can become an arduous task. It is, yeah. And I could... Like, there are things that I really like having in the morning and kind of in the afternoon. Right. Like, when I'm when I'm doing bike camp, I found I really like having something, like, bean-based or legume-based. Like, black bean soup and hummus are favorites, just mm-hmm. because they're not overly heavy and they kind of break down slowly and... Also, like borderline heat stroke is a thing where you can't really force that much food down your throat, so you kind of you can't go with something too heavy. Yeah. And I really like having eggs in the morning. But if I could just get home and just mix up some soylent, I feel like I would be very happy with that. Yeah. I'm gonna I'll, I'll save my thoughts on it for tomorrow at future chat, but uh, being able to drink, prepare, and drink. 500 or 750 calories in a few minutes with water is amazing. So yeah. great. And I mean, I'm also looking at like having Google fit is very nice because there are times when I burn a lot of calories and I don't really know how many I've burned. And then I eat a normal amount of food and then I'm frustrated because I'm still hungry and I can't go to sleep. Right. But if I could kind of ballpark what I need, and with Soylent, you can, you know, almost fine-tune the amount of calories you're getting. Yeah. Seems like an ideal solution. Yeah, it's def- definitely. But I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this again tomorrow. Yeah. We'll talk about the science of it. Right now we're talking about the culture and, and lifestyle <laughs> of it. <laughs> yeah. Foodie. <laughs> or cuisine man. I don't, I mean, that is going to get, I I see feminists already getting in up in arms that it's not cuisino woman or <laughs> cuisino femme. <laughs> is that how that works in French though? I don't know. I don't think it's quite the same, but uh, I, I see something like that happening. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's the French word for foodie. Yeah, I don't like it, for the record, once again. Nor do I. Not my cup of tea. No. But one thing that you do like is wireless. I do. I really do. Yeah. We got some uh, some unexpected news this week. Oh, there's news? Week. Sorry? There's news? Uh, unexpected news from the, from the government uh, slash wireless industry. So James Moore, who is the current Minister of Industry, 
Right. He is the champion of a lot of policy that has helped consumers get better wireless plans or at least have more information about the wireless plans they're signing up for. He and was the he, champion. Sorry. He recently stepped down, I think. Well, you know, he announced that he's not running for re-election this fall. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, which is it, that's fine. I I just I'm concerned. First of all, my job uh, at NSERC is to write reports that he signs off on. So I'm oh, directly nice. affected by this change. Um, now, basically, our entire department is kind of up in the air until the fall when we figure out when we find out who our new minister of industry is. You're going to have to change your templates. I, I know. How on earth will you manage? <laughs> I think I'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know how some other people might cope. It might be hard. <laughs> But so he's leaving. He was the champion of the wireless code of conduct. He oversaw a lot of good stuff in the past few years to do with the wireless industry and, and the CRTC. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested to see what's going to change as he leaves, whether the telecommunications industry, places like Rogers Bell, tell us we'll, we'll develop more and more power or whether the next government will be able to whether it be conservative, whether it be someone else, whether they will be able to keep the reins on these big companies. Um, but the biggest sort of news of the week that came sort of right on the heels of his announcement is that Mobilicity's number of appeals to sort of stave off bankruptcy have failed ultimately. And Rogers ended up buying out the majority of, of the, the company. And so basically Rogers is going to get a bunch of Mobilicity's Spectrum and their customers, as far as I know, are going to them. Uh, Wind, fortunately, is also getting some of the Spectrum that Mobilicity had. So that's, I guess, a positive in that regard. Uh, Wind is going to get a bit bigger, but also the whole goal of the changes that, uh, among other people, James Moore made are that they wanted to limit the power of of Rogers, Telus, and Bell, because they just basically gobble up little companies. And so the, the whole, they were praising companies like Mobilicity and Rogers for being sort of being independent, being smaller companies, upstarts, trying to gain customers. And I'm pretty and, sure James Moore was one of the architects that allowed for wind, Mobilicity, and public to yeah, come in. Yeah, exactly. And now Mo- Mobilicity is just gone to Rogers. Like, <laughs> you couldn't have avoided this. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know a few Mobilicity customers who are going to be very upset about having to go to Rogers. I, if you read forums where people complain about the wireless industry, they use any number of vulgar names to describe Rogers and say, oh, you know, I'm proud to be with Mobilicity or proud to be with Wind because I don't have to go to this uh, company that likes to take money from me or has taken money from me in years past. And now uh, mm-hmm. that's going to be happening to them. Unless, I mean, they're, they're obviously going to have the opportunity to leave. But I'm sure Rogers is going to make it very compelling to sign a new contract, a nice big fat two-year contract. And some of those people are going to be unsatisfied with their service. I'm sure there will be there'll probably be a few that it will be fine or just don't care anymore. But uh, I don't think any good can come from sort of the coalescence of power, another chunk of power going back to the big three companies. Yeah. Um. Honestly, for all the things that I think Harper has done that were goofy, 
like the work that James Moore did in the wireless industry, I was, I was pretty happy with. Yeah. And granted, I'm not an insider and I don't know the relative efficacy of things, but like as a consumer, I have appreciated, you know, the wireless code of conduct among other things. Um, other interesting note, Kaya is currently working for industry Canada in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a bombshell in her office. Yeah. No kidding. Um, yeah. Also, James Moore, under reorganization, is the uh, head of NRC. They it, put, oh, yeah. They shuffled NRC and, I guess, insert to under Industry Canada. Yeah, yeah. Because what other purpose would National Research Council ever serve? <laughs> other than industry? Yeah, that's, that's basically why we have science. Because otherwise, what good is research ever done for anyone? Yeah. I like that that has become a staple of every podcast. <laughs> you saying, what good is science? What has it ever done for anyone? Yeah. Inside uh, jokes. They're yeah. nice. They are nice. Um, and sorry, I'm going to spin this politically yeah. because this is East meets West and not future chat. So I can do that you Absolutely. know, with them and vigor. Um, this is actually part of a fairly mass exodus from yeah. the Tory caucus because I think there's now six. I think I read five, but it might've changed. That might not include more. There was, I, I mean, there's most recently James Moore who has been a superstar. Yeah. I mean, he's not, but he's by no means a household name, but he's done a lot in his time there. Apparently he, he took office when he was 25 and now he's like, yeah, I, I kind of want to do something else. Well, he said 40. he wanted, he said he was spending time with his family. His, uh, his yeah. son has rare bone disorder or something. So I get that side of things. And apparently Harper did, had a similar thing. Like he had yeah. complications with his home life and he did step away from politics for a while. So apparently he is one of the most understanding people about that kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, Peter McKay's gone. Peter McKay, who was former head of the Canadian Alliance, I think, or no, he was head of the Conservative Party, the PC yeah. party, who pledged that he would not merge with the Alliance. <laughs> and then something happened. Um, but there's always also been John Baird, who was... I described him as the Ty Domi of the House of Commons. <laughs> yeah. Like, Harper would just stand up and be like, yeah, going to let my goon take this one. And to this day, if you Google a picture of John Baird, like, just, just Google John Baird and go to Google Images. It's probably going to be him in midpoint and with, like, his yelling face on. Like, he's, mid -yell he's midway through yelling and pointing at someone. In yeah. like eighty percent of the pictures you'll find, we had this exact conversation a few episodes I'm, ago. I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, Jim Flaherty, who was his longtime finance minister, stepped down, died like a mere weeks after stepping down. But like, they've lost a lot of the uh, what would you call it? Intellectual property of the conservative part. Intellectual. I, that's not what um, I would call it. 
not property, but uh, capital. Yeah, maybe? I guess that's a way to. Yeah, he lost a bunch of big personalities. Anyway, yeah. that's yeah. Also, and I want you to look this up as I talk about it. Okay. Because I did a silly thing. I'm Googling CGP Grey right now. What do you want me to look up? (laughs) It's not CGP Grey, actually. Okay. Our new finance minister is Joe Oliver. Yes. Who we talked about last episode, I think. Yep. Now, there is another guy in the Tory caucus named uh, Tony Clement, I think. Yep. Minister of Finance? Tony Clement or Joe yep. Oliver? Joe Oliver's Minister of Finance. Maybe he was he's the outgoing one. Oh, president of the Treasury Board. Sorry, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Close enough. So now look up Tony Clement. I'm very familiar Joe with Tony Oliver. Clement. But yes. Okay. So when I first saw Joe Oliver. I thought that Tony Clement had just hit a really, really rough stretch. (laughs) Cause like a lot of the press photos of Joe Oliver lately have been him just like, just looking really old and in very poor lighting. Oh, that's too funny. (laughs) I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah, but you see it, right? (laughs) Yeah. They look really similar and yeah, it was, it was, it was only last week that I figured out they were different people. <laughs> that, that's funny. I, yeah. Oh, dearie me. Yeah, so that was, that was an interesting discovery for me. If you see them side by side, you can probably tell them apart. Yeah, but oh, if absolutely. If you're not familiar, yeah. If someone showed me a picture, if I'd never seen either of them before, someone shows me a picture of one of them, and then two hours later shows me another picture, I'd be like, oh yeah, that guy. I remember him. You showed me his picture yeah. two hours ago. <laughs> he looks much worse now. <laughs> yeah, like, what's happened to him in the last two hours? <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the last couple of years must have been really hard on Tony Clement. Yeah. He, Tony Clement is very, very active on social media. Oh, okay. And, NSERC, the, at least the division of NSERC that I work with works very closely with the Treasury Board. And so I'm yeah, oh, definitely okay. familiar with him. Mm. Yeah. Good stuff. Right? Uh, okay, Nick, you have, you have one more thing here about, I guess, housing prices, prices to talk about. We're, we're well past an hour here, so uh, why, don't we, why don't you bring it home? Cool. Yeah, this will be a wrap-up, but kind of a sad one, I guess. Okay. Uh, some people are saying that housing prices are a little bit, um, a little bit high. And this is, even though oil has kind of tanked and we're still not really charging forward after the recession. Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as I'm aware, being on the ground, it doesn't seem like it's going terribly well. Right. And the other word for something being systematically overvalued is a bubble. Yeah. And it was a housing price bubble in the United States that was one of the immediate causes of the Great Recession. Yep. 
Hmm. And so, man, that is, that is concerning. That's very concerning. As somebody who has, well, who, who is soon to be joining into a partnership that includes property. Yeah. It's, it's a little scary. Yeah. So, I mean, geez, it's like, oh yeah, you know, we could conceivably get out of this slump with, you know, the right kind of action. The right kind of action that uh, Kent Hare totally supports. Vote Kent Hare in Calgary Center. Um, <laughs> We've sold out. <laughs> well, you've sold out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought that'd be a funny thing to try. Yeah. But, oh, um, it's very funny. So, I mean, uh, and then you, you get out of that and you're like, oh, by the way, you know, housing prices are kind of overvalued and that could be a crash in which many people's nest eggs are just gone. So look for that sort of Damocles in the future. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it's, I think the worst part of it is if the housing market, if the housing bubble crashes, people will refuse to sell homes or refuse to sell property because it's not as high as it was. And you can't expect it to be as high as it was. Like you have to, take that loss once it happens once a bubble bursts you have to take that loss or you're going to be losing even more by just sitting on this property that you don't want well and i mean that's buy low and sell high is the whole name of the game but that's very rarely what people do they keep buying when it's high because they're like oh my god it just keeps going up 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 yeah it's like the dutch and tulips yep they don't know anything about their tulips yeah and then the everything will crash and people are like oh my god i gotta unload this deadly toxic asset yeah toxic asset being a technical term which i am not at all using properly <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i gotta unload this horrible thing and get some of my money out and then it just gets bad yeah nobody wants to buy a house for three hundred thousand dollars and then sell it for two hundred fifty thousand dollars yeah but that's what if that's where the market is and you want to sell your house you have to take that loss or you have to hold on to uh, property yeah so i guess i mean the moral of the story is in the short term if you are renting and thinking of buying maybe maybe wait. keep renting yeah <laughs> maybe yeah. just for a bit yeah yeah he says from his apartment in downtown calgary which is that's good that, <laughs> that's where you want to be I absolutely adore this location. As soon as you can get to Calgary, you got to come visit. I will. I don't. I don't. I have no idea when I will be able to come visit, but you know that. I know, right? I I'm in. I'm in kind of the same position. It's like I really want to go back and visit all my friends and family in Ontario. No idea when that could possibly yeah. happen, but you know, <laughs> unless I bike there. <laughs> and do you but know how much that, that would be eat? fun? Be ridiculous. Yep. Oh, I would need a different bike. There's, well, so long as I have the wind at my back for most of the way, we'd be good. And through <laughs> Saskatchewan, that'd just be great. It's too bad the jet stream doesn't come down at like six or seven feet above the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, I just, you'd have to get like a time trial bike to go through Saskatchewan. Yeah. Especially southern Saskatchewan, which is where I would be going. Exactly, yeah, that would be 
it's funny. It's funny too because through the Badlands in Alberta, where you know it, most of it is just flat, it's kind of the prairies but with less water. Yeah. So many time trial bikes out there. Oh yeah. Yeah, my head is just on a swivel so long as I'm not driving. Because like Canadian Tire doesn't sell time trial bikes. Right. Like they're all nice bikes if you're buying a time trial bike or a triathlon bike. Yeah. yeah. So it's just there's a lot of gawking going on. <laughs> As there should be. Nice bikes deserve to be looked at. It's funny cuz when Kai and I were in Miami there were a lot of uh you know single speeds, fixies, cruisers around. Mhm. And I was just not used to that because it's very flat and very urban. Right. And so my head was on a swivel the entire time. And at one point, Kaya looked at me after I was looking at this guy's bike. And she's like, you know, I know what you were doing. But if that guy caught you, he would absolutely <laughs> think he that you were checking him out. Like, <laughs> yes, he would. He might not like that. I think we've also had conversations where, like, she'll catch me when I've, you know, strained my neck enough and I've turned back around and she'll just look at me as, was it the girl or the bike? (laughs) Why can't it be both? (laughs) The sad thing is it is most often the bike. Yeah. I mean, if a girl has ridden a bike long enough, she'll have pretty nice calves, but... Yes, quite probably. (laughs) What do you think? Is that a good place to wrap it up? I think that's a great place to wrap it up. All right. Sounds good. So Uh, um, is there any way people could support our show, Rob? They definitely can. And I am I'm I've completely turned on my uh, my audible love. So uh, today's episode is brought to you. uh, So thanks so much to audible dot com. You can get a free audio book as well as a 30 day uh, free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash unwind. You'll be able to find a link uh, on in the show notes and on unwindmedia.com to get to audibletrial.com slash unwind. Uh, that'll support the show. You'll be able to try out a free audiobook. I would suggest trying uh, reading The Martian by Andy Weir, or I guess having it read to you because it's an audiobook. It's an awesome uh, book, and it's being made into a movie starring Matt Damon that's coming out this fall. It is an incredible book, and you can get it for free if you go to audibletrial.com slash unwind. They have 180,000 approximately other audiobooks and audio products that you can try out, uh, and they have apps you can stream that kind of stuff to your iPhone or Android device. Thanks, Audible. Thanks, Audible. Yeah. Oh, uh, hey, Nick, where can uh, people find the show itself? Do you know this? This is a pop quiz. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> is it? Is it unwindmedia.com unwindmedia.com slash emw specifically but yes Ooh. yeah nailed and, it and uh feel free to follow us on twitter we're at uh unwind uh underscore emwfm cool i should probably give that a follow <laughs> you probably should i th- no, you are you are following it now it oh, took an nice. embarrassingly long time but i believe you're up to speed now <laughs> oh thank heavens <laughs> it's a good thing you use twitter all the time I know, right? <laughs> All right, Nick. Uh, we can do this again soon? God knows. <laughs> every five weeks or so, you know, it, it, it happens. You know, <laughs> once in every whenever. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. I will talk to you then. Cool.
Talk to you then, Rob. All right. Bye.